Well, last week we introduced our vision focus for the year, and that is the theme, Life to the Max. Life to the Max. And I think it's such a prophetic theme for us this year. And we had a look, we started looking at our key verse for the year, John 10, verse 10, that says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. What a great passage. We looked at the very first component of the verse last week. We looked at that where it talks about the thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. And we talked about the fact that where it says uh, the thief comes there, it's, it's a different tense, a different sense to when Jesus says at the end, but I have come. Because the devil tries to, he seeks to, he endeavours to, he wants to, but that doesn't mean that he gets to. And we talked about the fact that while the devil attempts, Jesus accomplishes. He accomplishes what he has set out to do. And we talked about four different things that the enemy will try and steal from us. He'll try to steal our purpose, our confidence. He'll try to steal our faith and our joy. But the good news is that Jesus came so that we would have life and not just life, but life more abundantly, life to the max. And so that's going to be our focus this year. I want to just talk to you this week about that statement that Jesus says of himself, but I have come that you might have life, one, but then more abundantly, two. We're going to talk about that briefly this morning. So what is this life that Jesus is talking about when he says that I have come that you might have life. I mean, did Jesus come simply so that we might be blessed in this world? I don't think so. In fact, you look around the world at the moment, I received a report this week in regards to the Christians in Turkey and what's happening with the earthquakes and everything going on there. And it seems that throughout Turkey, there is opposition to Christ being stirred up. There is opposition to Christianity being stirred up right at this particular moment. We need to pray for that nation. We need to pray for the Christians in Turkey. So if we were to talk to them and we were to say it's all about being blessed, they might say, well, we look at our circumstances at the moment and at the moment they do not appear to carry that blessing. You see, did Jesus come simply that we might be blessed in this world No, he came so that we might be saved from this world. That we might be saved and we must never, ever lose sight of the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus came so that we might be set free from our sin. We might be saved. We might be forgiven. We might be purified and made right with God the Father, restored to him in right relationship. And one day we would see eternity and spend eternity with him. Let's never forget the foundation of the cross. The foundation of the cross. The reason Jesus came was to save us. Life 
in its fullness, which is what this verse is about. Life in its fullness can only be experienced through the acceptance of Christ's salvation. That is the foundation to abundance. You want abundance in your life? Well, it starts with the foundation of accepting Christ as Jesus and Lord of your life. Jesus said a number of things. You read through the Gospels. He said a number of reasons why he had come. Let me give you some of those things. Jesus said that he had come to do the will of the Father who sent him in John 6. Jesus had come to be the light in a dark world in John 12. Jesus has come to bear witness to the truth, John 18. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3 8. Jesus has come to give eternal life in John 6. Jesus has come to preach the gospel in Luke 4. Jesus has come to bring judgment in John 9. Jesus has come to give his life as a ransom for many in Mark 10. Jesus has come to call sinners to repentance in Mark 2. Jesus has come to die for the sin of mankind. In John 12, Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. In Luke 19, all of those things are what this life is all about. What this life is all about. Why did Jesus come? That we might have the life that's represented in these statements. What is that life? Salvation through Christ alone. Truth revealed, Saviour ransomed, sins repented, forgiveness received, life redeemed, purpose restored, relationship reconciled, God reconnected and eternal life rewarded, salvation. Salvation. So before we look to the abundant blessings also promised in this life, We need to remember that the prerequisite to abundance is salvation. Salvation. Jesus didn't just die so I could live a blessed life. He died so I could be saved and have eternal life. And that's the foundation. Someone once said it like this. If all that Jesus did was save us. It would have been abundantly more than enough. Salvation. Let's never forget the foundation and a benefit of the saved life is the blessed life. You see, the problem I find in many churches today, and we hear this prosperity teaching all around in churches The problem I have is that the foundation of salvation through the redemptive work of Jesus on a cross is breezed over because our eyes are on the bonus set of steak knives. The foundation is salvation through Christ. It's got to be our message. It's got to be our mandate. It's got to be our commission. The foundation of the cross. You know, without salvation through Jesus Christ, the blessing means nothing. Ooh. You see, the blessing at most is just a temporary but fleeting comfort. 
It's just something that sustains us during this life, if not for the foundation of salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. First and foremost, I have come to bring salvation. But then he adds these words. It's like saying, and furthermore, not only have I come to bring salvation to mankind, not only have I come to make possible the forgiveness of sin, but I have also furthermore come that you might have life more abundantly, life to the max. See, not only are you saved to eternal life, but you can experience abundant life now. Wow. Now I've heard pastors over the years come up with their little cheesy cliche sayings. This is one I've heard and I'm sure you might have heard it if you've been around long enough in church circles. Heard pastors get up and say, it's not just a case of pie in the sky when you die but steak on the plate while you wait. And listen, that might sound all good, but if we are defining abundance purely in terms of material blessing, we're missing the point. We're actually missing what Jesus is saying in this passage. In fact, the more I look at this, the more I understand the words of Jesus in the Gospels, the more I see that abundance is more about eternal perspective than earthly prosperity. To define abundance in these sort of terms just falls so short of what Jesus is saying here. You see, the word abundance, this is what it means. It means superior, excessive, advantage, superfluity, and we'll talk about that word in a minute, substantial, complete. That is what this word means in the original So is there a defining here in terms of material blessing? Well, yes, I believe there is. Talks about substantial, talks about excessive. And and yes, there is material blessing involved in that abundance. But friends, there is so much more than just that. So what does this abundance that Jesus offers us mean? What does it mean? I just want to share three things with you today. The first thing it means is this, from life sustaining to life substantial. From life sustaining to life substantial, from that kind of life that is just existing, just hanging in there by the skin of our teeth, just holding on for dear life, just surviving and going through the motions, just COVID, that kind of life, the sustaining to a life where you experience more than enough, 
more than enough, where you experience being refreshed and renewed day by day, where you experience having joy and peace that surpasses natural understanding, when you feel like you're the king of the castle because you appreciate the blessing of little things around you. When you're having a perspective of life that lifts your attitude and your altitude above the circumstances that you might be facing. Life substantial. You know, I've met people who live in abject poverty. Been to nations. I've I've spoken in the underground church at China. It's not literally underground. You understand that. It's in secret. Spoken to... The underground church in China and <coughs> spoken to people in Mozambique. Spoken to people in Soweto, in Joburg. Walked those dusty streets and seen how people live in abject poverty. But they're living in Christ's abundance. I've met people who have every excuse. <coughs> Excuse me. Every excuse to be disappointed and heart stricken at what the world has taken from them, and yet they're living in Christ's abundance. I've seen people struggling with the weakness of their infirmities, and I've seen them look and smile and declare, You know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ's abundance. I've seen people struggling with tears of love lost and they cry out, but you know what? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I've seen people in the face of survival stepping into revival. Christ's abundance. You see, abundance is a way of living substantially In the love of Jesus, in spite of the circumstance. In spite of the circumstance. From life-sustaining to life-substantial. What else does this word abundant mean to us? It means this. It means from life-enslaving to life-empowering. From life enslaving to life empowering. You see, this kind of abundance that Jesus offers us, it can literally break the chains that have held us back and have enslaved us and it can launch us forward with supernatural power in God. His abundance takes the natural and makes it supernatural, takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. I love the story of Moses. What a great character Moses was. He's in the wilderness. He's escaped from Egypt and he's tending his father-in-law's sheep. And God appears to him. And God says these words to Moses. He says, Moses, my people are enslaved. I've heard their cries and I'm calling you to be a deliverer. From slavery in Egypt. Moses turns around and he says this, God, you got the wrong guy. I, I, I can't do that, God. It's, it's just 
not me. I'm, I'm just Mr. Average. God, you need to choose somebody else, someone who's more skilled, someone who's got a degree. You need to choose someone else, God. Look, honestly, God, when I speak, I often get my turds wangled, my words tangled. It's interesting. Moses might have escaped Egypt, but he was still enslaved by his own thinking. That'll preach. See, many Christians have escaped from the world, but they're still enslaved by their own thinking. And this is what God says. He says, what's that in your hand, Moses? Moses looks at him and says, well, it's my shepherd's staff. And God says this. He says, throw it on the ground. And so Moses throws it on the ground and it turns into a snake. We are told that at this point, Moses runs and screams like a girl. Well, that's how I take it. He runs away. He is terrified. He's scared of snakes. Now, I know that feeling. I remember growing up in Bowen, Queensland. I remember as a little kid picking up a log. There's a big brown snake wriggling underneath. I dropped the log and I ran for my life. If there was a timer, John Cathy would hold the record for the 100 metres over Usain Bolt. I just ran. I was only three foot at the time. (laughs) And then what does God get him to do? I never really thought about this before. God says to Moses, pick it up by the tail. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Pick it up by the tail. Pick the snake up, this dangerous snake. Pick it up by the tail. What's God doing here? He's saying, listen, Moses, you need to address the enslavement of your fear. Moses picks it up and it turns back into a staff. And then God says this to him. He says, now, Moses, when you go to Egypt, use this. Use this staff. Use what I have just shown you here. You know why, Moses? Because what was your enslavement has just become your empowerment. Wow. You see, friends, Christ's abundance takes what was enslavement in your life and my life and turns it into empowerment. That's why the Word of God says... He works all things for good. He works all things for good to those who love him. That's why Paul can get up and he can declare that in my weakness, he is made strong. From life enslaving to life empowering, that's God's abundance. Finally, this morning, what is this abundance? It's from life overwhelming to life overflowing. (laughs) I don't know that, I, I don't think there's too many people here today who can't look back over the last few years and say, Well, I've never been overwhelmed. It's been a breeze, really. 
just tiptoeing through the tulips, enjoying these last few years. I think all of us somewhere along the way have felt overwhelmed. But one of the meanings of this word abundance here that Jesus provides is the word superfluity. What does that mean? It means superflowing, constant rushing of the flow, a substantial excess of supply flowing into your life. Wow. I find it interesting in the Word of God when the children of Israel were to cross over into their promise. They'd gear themselves up for it. Okay, we're crossing over into Canaan. We're crossing over into the promised land. Whenever they did it, it's recorded at least three different occasions. They got to the Jordan River and it was in flood. It was flooded. It was raging. It was a torrent. It was such a fast current that to cross over would be dangerous. And I want you to understand something this morning. You see, the flood was either an overwhelming barrier to stop you or an overflowing promise to step into. Wow. You see, when we understand this abundant life that Jesus offers us, the the swollen river, the, the rushing current of crisis or the rushing current of circumstance is always a picture of the overflowing promise that Jesus has for us. We just need to step in. Abundance takes the overwhelming obstacle and turns it into an overflowing promise. Wow. Remember years ago watching, I was, I was channel flicking, you know how you do, especially men. I was channel flicking, looking for something interesting to watch on TV, which is, by the way, getting harder and harder. And I turned on and it was the Coolangatta Gold. It was the Ironman Championship. I thought, well, let's watch this for a while. And it was that particular event where the starter gun goes off, they race down the beach and they launch themselves into the surf and then they swim some distance around a marker. I think it's five kilometres perhaps, I'm not quite sure. They swim some distance around a marker and then return and come back and they run up the beach to cross the finish line. And the commentators were talking about the champion at the time. I think it was a guy called Darren Mercer. The two of them, Darren and Dean Mercer, brothers. Talking about Darren Mercer and how that this was his event. He was the champion. No one could beat him. No one had beaten him in the last three or four years at this particular event. He was the champion. And so I watched this race and they all head out. And I noticed something interesting about the champion. He's way behind everybody else. Everybody else has gone around the marker and he's still making his way up. And then 
on the way back to shore, it's, it's like he's never going to catch them. It's like he is so far. And I can remember thinking, this guy's gone. He's done. He's, he's finished. He probably ate too much spaghetti before the race. This is over. Dozens of swimmers ahead of him. But then something happened. The others that were ahead of him actually appeared to be stationary in the water. Their arms and legs are going like crazy. But they look stationary in the water with the retreating drag of the ocean current. And you look at the champion and he's just waiting. He's just biding his time. He's just reserving his strength for the wave. And he catches the wave and surges dramatically closer. Then he catches another wave because this is what he is so good at. He catches this other wave and he dramatically surges ahead of all the other swimmers. He gets to the beach, he runs up and he wins the race. Amazing. You see, when it comes to the abundant overflow that Jesus offers, the ones who catch the waves win. The ones who catch the waves of His abundant promises win. You just gotta step into the flow. You've just gotta step into His abundance. Let's just close our eyes this morning. couple of different people I'd like to pray for this morning. The first is there may be people here today and you may not have received salvation through Christ. Now you would love to see that abundance in your life, but it starts with the foundation of Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. And if that's you this morning, can I ask you while no one's looking around, my head's about, eyes are closed. If you feel that tug saying, yeah, I need to give my life to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Can I ask you to do a simple thing? Just raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. And then we as a congregation will pray a prayer inviting Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life. Is there anyone today that says, yep, that's me. I want Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life. I want to give my life to Him. Why don't you just raise your hand now? I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. Anyone? Anyone today? Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. We always give this opportunity at Capital Edge Church to give your life to Jesus because as I said, that's the foundation. That's the foundation of life. But there's others I'd like to pray for this morning. There may be those who feel you've just been going through the motions, but you want to step into abundance. Might be some people here this morning and you felt enslaved by your circumstances. 
and mindsets, but now you feel challenged to step into his empowering. Might be simply people here today who feel overwhelmed and you just want to step into his overflowing promise for your life. If that's you, can I ask you to just stand where you are? Because we're going to pray a prayer together as a church, believing for those things in your life. Thank you. Thank you. Wait a moment longer. I believe God's just pinpointing things on people's hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for those who have acknowledged today their need for your abundance in their situation. Pray for those who have felt like they're just going through the motions. Lord, I pray that there will be a stepping into your abundance, stepping beyond, stepping into the wonderful life that you have. I pray for those who feel enslaved by mindsets and circumstances. I pray, Lord, that there will be an empowering by your Holy Spirit in their situation. Even today, even now, as we pray that things are changing. You are at work. You are doing things. You are adjusting things. You are adjusting mindsets, the way of thinking about certain situations. Lord, I pray for those who just feel overwhelmed overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Lord, I pray that they'll step into the overflowing promise that you have for them. For you have a wonderful plan. You have a wonderful purpose. A purpose of life abundantly. Life to the max. And so we lay hold of that promise right now. In the name of Jesus, amen.